Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. We are back with another Android Central podcast. Woohoo! And we are all happy that CES is over and we can try and get back to some sense of normalcy in our lives. How is everybody doing this week? Jeremy? Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> all right, that is Jeremy Johnson and Nick Centric. How are things where you are? I didn't catch COVID from CES, so, you know, there's, there's a positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah how cold is it there right now in Asheville? oh wait north carolina it's like You're it's like 45 right yet. now it's supposed to be real cold this weekend though which would be great i'm happy we'll talk yeah. about that later though you know that's... my parents are going to be trying to beat that front when they drive down all righty and chris waddell is joining us this week how are you good sir i am doing well like i can't complain it's sunny outside and I'm warmer than Nick is and almost 60 degrees, but that's going to change significantly tomorrow. <laughs> all righty. Um, all righty. So we don't have CES is over, and that was the big news dump probably for the month. So we we don't have quite as much news to cover, but uh, we're also going to get into something else that's semi uh, that's reasonably topical for January. It is health and fitness because everybody had their new year's resolutions and given that we are two weeks into the new year this is about the time that people are starting to break them so we want to help you avoid that (laughs) so we're going to talk about what's been helping us stay fit and stay active especially as cold and miserable as it is outside in most places but first things first we are going to get to the news um and we have something from samsung that i kind of expected to be announced last week But um, Samsung hasn't uh, debuted the Exynos chip that they are going to be using this year. They were supposed to have a separate event this month, and that has now been postponed. So we're going to see the new Exynos chip for the year when we see uh, when we have the Galaxy S21 event, which also hasn't been dated yet. So I'm I'm a little apprehensive there because we have heard a lot of not great things about the Exynos being delayed or underpowered or buggy and just not working properly. And them delaying this announcement hopefully means they're taking more time to fix it. I'm all for them taking more time and getting things right. But considering we're this far along and I'm pretty sure the Galaxy S22 is already made and in boxes, it might be a little late to fix terribly much with this. What do you guys think? Or does the processor not matter that much so long as the phone works? That's a good question. I don't. I, I for me, I'm pretty excited about this just because this is the one where we're going to have the our DNA two architecture and all the other interesting stuff, right? So that's a huge change from. I mean, <laughs> ever since we started using these chips, basically it, they've all been the same uh, type of GPU for ages now. So seeing this huge kind of architecture change yeah. is is pretty darn exciting. Like it's probably the most excited I've been for a chipset, uh, I don't know, maybe since the 64-bit phase kicked in. Yes, although I kind of have to couch my excitement because this is the chip that the rest of the world will get to experience because they still use Qualcomm in the United States, which is a shame because we we hear how these chips perform, we hear how they underperform compared to Qualcomm, but we don't really get to test it unless we import anything, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it, it it sounds great, but you know, for for the most of us, you know, we're not going to get to use the the chip and and experience what it can do and the changes. You know, sure, we'll 
hopefully Harish uh, or Alex over over there will get to test these things out. But you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how it changes, and you know, if these reconfigurations uh, improve on some of the you know the things that slid back on compared to Qualcomm's offerings in the past. I almost wonder if this thing turns out to be really good, if we'll end up with you know another generation where they actually do use these instead of Qualcomm chips. Obviously, or that's, not, I mean, that's not going to happen with the S22, but I mean, like no. in the future. What if it does well in the S22 series and they decide to say, you know what, let's put it in our foldables for the fall? No, I think we're too long, far along in the devi- uh, design and development for the Fold 3 and the Flip 3 because they have to be almost done with those designs pretty soon to get them manufactured and ready for launch in August. Unless that's getting I mean, pushed if- too after the S22 launch, and I can't imagine that. Yeah, probably not. I I would say S23 at the earliest if they're really going to do, you know, a proper international, like literally international, not just non-US <laughs> definition here. We'll just rain on my theoretical parade. Hey, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to see it stateside, but I, I, I also know what the manufacturing like timetable is for things like this. There's no way it gets into any device that's being launched this year unless they literally decide in the next month to put it in the fold three and the flip th- uh, the fold four and the flip four. And given all of the reports and rumors that have been swirling for the last six weeks, I really don't see that happening. Yeah, I also have a feeling they're not going to do anything at all to jeopardize stability for foldables right now. I, I think yes, playing it safe is probably the ideal solution for you know this year especially because we're coming off the the fold three and flip three which i would say have been positive all around i haven't heard any major complaints i haven't heard of any like you know broken screens everywhere there's been basically everything people worried about has not happened <laughs> so yeah the only thing that was broken was the software right mm-hmm. yeah i mean whatever that's fine that can get fixed <laughs> hardware not so much it was fixed. Right. I should also point yes, out. Yes, exactly. And it didn't take all that long. But, you know, in any case, coming off of that, it would be important for them to not mess that up because they've had an excellent year and an excellent pair of launches. So following it up with another one would be smart. Plus, there's also the consideration of uh, testing with Android 12L. Likely it's not going to be done on something like an Exynos processor. Yeah, that's I mean, they got to test it in there at some point. But yeah, but we will we will see everything. I'm sure it will. The Exynos will be coming with the S22, we hope. Well, it kind of has to, but that'll hopefully be next month or maybe the beginning of March. It's it's weird to see that we're shifting phone launches back later into the spring after everything had jumped from like March and early April back to January in the last two years. I wonder how much of the S21 FE getting pushed made them bump the launch back again for the S22. I... Like if there if there was like a chain reaction or domino effect going on. Possibly, but I mean the S20 the S21 FE is also a $700 phone and the S22 through or the S22 through the S22 Ultra or Note or whatever the heck they're going to call it. Those are much higher priced phones. I can't see them thinking that's going to cut into the S21 FE so far. Because, I mean, yeah, it's it, if anything, the S21 FE should have just been announced alongside the S22 series and be like, okay, and here's your affordable model. 
Yeah, unless they but felt then that, there yeah. might not have been a reason for the regular S twenty two to exist, other than it being a small. There's also Samsung that, flagship, yes. which I definitely still need because my hands are small and I don't do big phones. Yeah, well, and the S twenty one FE got bigger, so yeah. Well, that that's what I mean. Like having a small S twenty two is probably the most important differentiator between those two models, at, at least at this point, for people who are trying to save money and or you know like you want a small phone. <laughs> Well, and Samsung's been known to tweak their naming conventions to get everything in line uh, like they did a few years back. And so I think it, it would look strange for them to say, here's the S21 FE and the S22 series. Um, you know, it's already going to be bad enough with them launching so close together. But, you know, with them and their naming conventions saying these are all Galaxy and S series devices with, you know, a difference in numbers, um, I think would be out of character for them. Yeah. Yeah, they don't need to pull a Pixel 4a 5G, Pixel 5 thing. Um, But we'll see when it comes here in a month or two. But uh, moving on. Okay, Jeremy and Chris, y'all are both Spotify users, right? Or Nick, are you Spotify too? Am I the only YouTube music here? I am YouTube music. I'm not a Spotify. I, I have Spotify and I use it rarely. Honestly, I'm straight up YouTube music from a OG Google Play music days. Ah, my people. Yeah, no, I'm never letting go of that introductory price rate. Never, ever. (laughs) I don't even care if I use the music service. I am never getting rid of that introductory rate for getting rid of ads on YouTube. It'd be like me changing my T-Mobile bill. No, it's too good. (laughs) I've (laughs) had it forever. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, for the Spotify fans among us, uh, Spotify is actually pushing back some of the features that a lot of users had really been looking forward to because... Spotify was trying to compete with Tidal and Amazon Music HD and all of these hi-fi lossless, like an Apple Music lossless audio. And those have been put on hold indefinitely, which is not a great look. But also, I really have to wonder how many people actually stream lossless, especially if they're on the go or anything where I tend to listen to the most music. I agree. Like, it's it's one of those things where... Apple's lossless is being paired a lot with their audio, you know, first party audio equipment. Um, you know, the what is AirPod Max headphone things. Um, but it's the same thing. You know, I, I thought this for a while with the Apple HomePod. And when it got discontinued along with the Google Home Max, um, you know, those were supposed to be the top tier high quality audio devices. And they didn't sell for, you know, a number of reasons. but I don't know that people care. The average person cares so much to have hi-fi, you know, top tier sounding audio, especially from a streaming service um, that they're willing to pay that price for a streaming device to put it through. So I I, I 100% agree with that. And I mean, I think, I think that's evidenced in the pricing strategies that you've seen from, you know, Apple and Amazon, Uh, Amazon, when they first introduced HD music a couple of years ago now, um, they had it as at a premium rate of something like three to five dollars more per month, um, and then they well they followed Apple's example, but Apple released their lossless HD Hi Fi, whatever they call it, um, at no price increases. If you're an Apple Music subscriber, you just got it. Uh, and now I know that those are two giant companies that can treat their music divisions as lost leaders, whereas Spotify, that's what they do. Uh, but I think at least part of that had to do with the fact that people probably weren't going to pay a premium for something that they most people wouldn't notice a difference on. Uh, 
with their equipment or just their their ears in general. So, yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love my music. It it needs to sound good. I don't like I don't like it being crackly or robotic, or whatever. It's got to sound good. And it's got to come through. And I own I have two Google Home Max devices, and I love them. But at the same time, you know, an increased cost or you know a change in my subscription and what I'm offered because you want to offer a hi-fi service, unless it's just thrown in like Apple's doing, uh, eh, I I don't need it. it. It sounds good enough for just listening around. I'm not sitting trying to produce music or, or anything like that, that I've got studio monitors and things of that nature uh, sitting around. I will say I have a $700 Chromecast speaker in the living room. And I have a $300 Google Assistant speaker in my bedroom. So there are definitely high-priced, high-quality options out there. They're just not what the mainstream is after. And if it's if it's a niche service, Tidal fits that bill perfectly because that's literally all they do. Like, Tidal focuses on the quality at first above everything else. And Spotify right. and YouTube Music and all these others, like, we... We care about selection and compatibility more than we care about it being the highest quality because any amount of streaming, you're going to hit a point where, yeah, we call it lossless. You're still losing something considering that Bluetooth headphones cannot perfectly recreate things. I know that I'm going to upset a lot of audiophiles on the podcast, but to me, I, I think a lot of that is like those magic eye books back in the 90s. Like <laughs> you can you either hear it or you don't. And i bet most people don't and i always thought those magic eye books were were a joke anyway because i could never see them but maybe oh, it's just me. a lot of us those. are also <laughs> seriously damaging our hearing earlier on in life and not being able to appreciate a lot well, of may- maybe that's my problem super low maybe that's my problem and i'll shut up because <laughs> i was gonna say my, my tinnitus gets in the way sometimes if it's really soft music mm. yeah i think i can hear uh jerry rolling his eyes from here oh i'm sure um, yeah he's throwing things at me right now i know <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I, I do wonder, though, how many people on other services use, you know, the highest, highest quality and actually care. Like, how many people go into the settings and switch that? Much less, you know, want lossless, well, quote, lossless Well, you music. have to remember to do it per device that you listen with, too. Like, if you pair right. uh, Bluetooth headphones that have LDAC, you have to go into Bluetooth settings and enable that. That's not something that's turned mm-hmm. on by default, because by default, Android will default to we focus on stability, not we focus on audio quality on a system level. So that's still something you have to go in and do. And most people don't know to do that or think to do that. Yeah, I think that's part of the disconnect in some of these services and offering the hi-fi is, you know, to the average user, they're going to see, hey, we now offer this. But just having that feature and that, you know, that improved audio quality stream available doesn't mean you're going to take advantage of it if you don't have the equipment that can handle that additional the difference if you're if you're using the you know the a, a cheap twenty dollar pair of earbuds off of Amazon um, you're probably not going to notice any difference I mean you won't notice any difference you don't have the drivers the the quality equipment to actually reproduce the stream that you're receiving and so I think that's part of the disconnect as well um, is there's an educational standpoint that's go into it for the average consumer. Yeah, because I mean, I have $300 earbuds and I still understand that I'm going to lose, like, if I want to listen to stuff like high quality, I still got to switch over to headphones because buds just don't have the mass to drive the sound that we need for super high quality audio. Although I will say I freaking love my earbuds. Best things in the world. Especially because they're active noise canceling, which also messes with the sound output because if you have A and C on, then it's automatically tuning your audio in order to offset whatever noise is going on around you, 
which would mess with audio quality as well. Alrighty, but moving on along, uh, we're going to get to the legal section of our news now because we had a couple of things this week. Uh, And we're going to start with something that is related to audio, and that is the uh, Google Nest speakers have lost the ability to be controlled by the volume rocker on your phone if you're in the app, have lost the ability to have one volume rocker, uh, have one volume toggle for an entire speaker group. You now have to adjust each speaker individually, which is a huge pain in the butt. Uh, And because of the ruling from the... uh, from the FTC, Google has to fix these things, uh, fix, uh, they have to get rid of everything that infringed on Sonos's patents immediately, or else they're not going to be able to sell their products in the United States, which is not great. But also Google had, Google had solutions ready to go like day of, like the, the ruling came down and less than two hours later, they were like, yeah, we've, here's what's happened and here's why. <laughs> Although I, I really got to say, just should have just paid the royalties because you can't break stuff like this. Yeah, I understand why this is happening, but I hate it <laughs> personally. This is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It, it, groups are definitely something I use on, if not a daily basis, then absolutely several times a week. So, well, I don't even care about the groups. Ugh. Like, if I'm in YouTube music, I cannot use the volume rocker to change it up on the one speaker I am casting to. I have to turn the screen back on, tap the album, tap the cast album, and then I can change my audio. Yeah, that's like, really... Or the audio level. That is... Yeah, that that's really is, the bad. most frustrating thing to that me, too. That is shit! Ugh. I don't know if you can... I know you can't control them all at the same time through a single, you know, press the rocker and control them all, but I wonder if it would be possible if, if when you press that, it did similar to, like, Google does for the volume controls. Uh, you can tap on it and expand it and see the different, different devices that control volume. So you can tap that and it expand the speakers that are connected and show each individual speaker across the menu, like a shortcut way by hitting the volume rocker or something. And you can adjust them that through a single menu. That'd be, that'd be fine. I think, I think some of that is coming. Cause I think I remember there being a fix for at least some of this in the January pixel update. Problem being, of Thank course, goodness. that we have <laughs> pixel sixes November. and six pros and we are still on November software. <laughs> yes. Although hopefully, hopefully a fix is coming soon. They said by the end of January, and I'm really hoping that like give us that for like MLK weekend or something. Like give it to us a little bit early so we could hopefully, maybe, possibly see the February update on time too, or just lump in February at this point. I mean, if you're going to go to the end of January, you might as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pixel sixes are going to be on a quarterly update process at this point. Stop it, Chris. Stop it. <laughs> but I have to say, so they can break other things so long as they don't break call screening, because I still have call screening right now. And if I was one of the users that had it disabled by whatever broke in the December update, I I would understand your fury, because that is the feature that absolutely makes or breaks the Pixel experience. Call screening is God, basically. But moving on to our other legal news, uh, this one's about... Facebook, Meta, one of these days we're going to be able to say that without the hyphenate, but I'm sorry, it's going to be a while. Uh, But the FTC is getting a go-ahead with its uh, antitrust lawsuit, which is great because Facebook and Meta have definitely done a couple of things worthy of investigation. 
So uh, a judge has ruled that the FTC's antitrust case can move forward. The FTC sued Meta over its anti-competitive practices, including purchasing and squeezing out the competition, a.k.a. them buying so many freaking companies the last five years. Uh, The amended suit was filed in October, and Meta had tried to get it dismissed and didn't work, which kind of is a no-brainer there. But, I mean, when it comes to, like, investing, investigating Facebook or Google or Amazon or Apple for antitrust stuff, which, by the way, I would really love to see Apple investigated for antitrust for all the iMessage stuff because they admitted in trials on they admitted legally to ridiculously anti-competitive behavior with iMessage during the Epic trial. Like, there's your case right there. Go find them and then make them change. But for for Facebook, it's also a matter of, wow, how would you even like because the the antitrust thing for Facebook would be, okay, you got to break Insta and WhatsApp back out of Meta. I don't know how you do that now because Facebook has absorbed them into the blob. I don't know how you extricate them again. I could only imagine that process would be a complete disaster because, yeah, like you said, like they're they're one and the same at this point. I do like the new name you came up with, though, the blob. I think that's that's pretty good for Meta. I mean, it's one. It's one. It's a slime monster. And it came and it attacked Instagram and then absorbed it into its form and became stronger. And then it attacked WhatsApp and absorbed it into its form and became stronger. And it's been sucking up all of these little itty bitty slime companies that have been just sucked up into it over the years. So that way they couldn't grow and become something that could beat it. So it's it's a matter of making the full case and making every getting it legally. Like, but the big picture we all know is there, which kind of sucks. But also I understand why it takes such a long time for these uh, trials because there is so much material you have to go through and fight over. But I wish that they could move this along a little bit. But uh, refusing uh, refusing the dismissal motion is great news. And I wish the FTC luck. Alrighty. So we are, oh, Nick, we have one for you. Uh, Population One is ruling out a fix for its, apparently it was silencing some of its users. How does that work? Yeah, so basically during the game, um, while you were playing, the microphone would just randomly break. So, you know, you're talking to your squad or whatever, it loads into the next, you know, round or something like that. And then all of a sudden you can't hear anybody. (laughs) And like restarting oh. wouldn't necessarily fix it. It was very strange. Like it, it's and it didn't seem to affect everyone. I had it happen to me once, but that was it. Whereas there were some people that were screaming from the rooftops on Reddit and that sort of thing about it. So they well, actually, that's when um, you break out discord, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for real. It took them less than a week to fix it, though. So they the update came out on Wednesday. Um, they acknowledged it, I think, by Friday that it was a problem. They basically said, hey, bear with us over the weekend because the fix isn't ready yet. And then uh, I think it was like mid Monday morning or maybe even around lunchtime. The, the update was out. So it was it was good. They, they fixed it quickly. And this was this problem has popped up in the past. Um, I think one other time, but it wasn't this bad. <laughs> so it's I don't know. It, I'm happy to see them uh, roll that out quickly. I know this uh, particular event, people were maybe hoping for a little bit more, but I think these are the in-between events, you know, until the the next 
season or whatever they're going to call it comes out. I mean, they all can't be tier one events. You got to have some tier twos and tier threes in there. So that way you appreciate the big ones. Because Population One also has some pretty big stuff that happens and it can't all be just like 100% total winners. Some of them got to be a little weird or a little wonky. Yeah, and a lot of these were holiday themes. You had a Christmas one. This one's uh, like a New Year's one. So, you know, it's it's nice to have the smaller ones. Um, Do they have I, a Valentine's one coming or would that be kind of weird in Population 1? I haven't heard of it yet, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say it would be out of the realm. They do basically everything else, so why not? Um, I, I think uh, the one thing that has been requested several times by people is to make Team Deathmatch a, a permanent ranked mode. Whereas right now, typically, if you want to play Team Deathmatch, you have to go into a custom room and, and do that. It's, you know, it's sort of like how Fortnite, when you play Fortnite, you, you, the regular mode is Battle Royale. And then when you want to play other ones, you go into a custom thing and it doesn't count towards your season pass unlocks and that sort of thing. Ah, uh, and Whereas, yeah, having, yeah, having it during, be more. During this particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. During this particular event, and they've done it in previous events too. Um, team Deathmatch is part of the ranked, you know, fights. So you actually get scored for that so i don't know they they've been they've been doing a great job of i think keeping up the content and it was good to see them fix this because it was definitely a very frustrating bug yeah any any multiplayer game you kind of need communication (laughs) a little bit yeah it's kind of important this this is one of those titles that i i remember when i when i saw it start rolling out and, and it started hitting you know hitting devices i was really i was interested in i was like this could be really cool but i was like uh i'm gonna hold back and wait and see if it actually you know, they support it and people pick it up and if it actually is good. And now I, I, I'm like, I really should try this out. Like, it's one of those titles that I've been interested in. I just haven't actually got into and I really want to play. Yeah, if you do, let me know, because it's it's the only game that I play multiple days a week. Most most games, you know, I'll, I'll pick up, play a little bit, put it down, maybe pick it up again a couple months later and finish it. I am terrible about finishing games. But yeah, this one has been a, a consistent one in my rotation. What, you're not playing Supernatural every day? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no I completion did. there. Fitness right. is a constant journey that never ends. That's true. <laughs> That's it. I'm yeah, like, I'll hey, definitely you know have what? to reach out to you on this one. Yeah. I, I know Daniel does Supernatural every day, or at, you know, at least last time I checked. So hey, kudos to him, especially if he's listening. <laughs> we miss you, boss. Yeah. Old boss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just ingrained in me after so many years. He's dead to me, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) No, we love love you, Daniel. Don't say that. No, not never. Never. All right. Well, moving from updates that fix broken things to updates that are going to contain a lot of broken things, we're getting our first looks into Android 13. And while I'm very interested to see how some of this works, I'm also... Very much hoping that the Android 13 previews start earlier and start with more of what they need to act, what more of the finished products that way we can see everything broken and then get it fixed on time and not have what happened last year. So the new Android 13 features, we've seen like a handful of them so far. I'm not quite getting what the QR code scanning from the lock screen is about, especially because it sounds like using a QR code to unlock your phone, which just sounds like the weirdest thing ever to me. It's very strange. 
And then there's oh, also is that what they meant? I thought it, I thought it was just like you know when you go to a restaurant and the QR code oh. is in place of the menu, I, so it's yeah no I, I think it's that with your camera you know yes yeah and then th- there's also um, a new quick toggle button for scanning QR codes, but you know I'm like the camera app already does this. I don't think it's any quicker or better to swipe down twice. I mean maybe it's just a way of, of surfacing like, that for people. <laughs> maybe. It it could be just it could be a way somebody. of standardizing it because Samsung does it differently than Google does it differently than others. So it might just be one of those things if we want a standard across the board placement right. of that stuff. And, and when you do it with the camera app, like the little Chrome uh, pop up comes up, but sometimes it's kind of small and disappears if you don't touch it fast enough. Right. So, and not yeah. all phones support that. Yeah. I mean, I think only recently Pixels actually supported that. You used to have to go into Google Lens and scan yeah, it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's probably what they're doing is, hey, this is bringing up the, I don't want to say lowest common denominator, but, you know, whatever. And adding it to everybody, regardless if the camera app works that well, way or and, not. And the experience could just could be made better. It's simple as that. One feature I am kind of, ha- I am happy for is it's going to be easier to have, like, separate user profiles on a phone, like a work profile and a personal profile, which I understand why most people don't care about that. But if you have a company that is, like, monitoring communications or monitor or can control what apps you can or can't install having a personal profile that you can install whatever you want and a professional profile that only has x y and z apps could be very useful so it's it's not a huge feature but it's one that would be useful but it's it'll also be very helpful as a okay i have my mode and then i have my kids profile. <laughs> exactly yeah and the kid can log in and do what they want yeah i know that ios uh what are we on so. 15 now has the different focus modes and a lot of people like that when that first came out. So this sounds similar to that. Well, I mean, focus mode is more about like disabling certain apps or keeping certain apps from notifying you being able to completely swap over. No, that's what that's what the latest version was is where you can have a, a work profile and a home profile and a sport profile and that kind of thing. I mean, it, we've been able to do that kind of thing for a while. We've had you know, Android work profiles or whatever for some time. And there's been a lot of variations on that too, you know, having the well, app installed. The problem and with having the work it... profiles is your company had to enable it. And right. not a lot of companies know to. Yeah, or a lot of companies, you know, might not do that type of um, device. Maintenance isn't the word, but, you know, whatever. Control. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I know the companies that I worked for um, we wouldn't do anything that granular. It, it was typically like, I, I can't even think of what it, what it would be for the email stuff right now, but it was all email related versus maybe restricting some of the other things on the phone because they typically weren't company owned phones. They were, Hey, you're going to get your work email on the phone, but we want to make sure that you don't share this, this, and this with somebody else. So they make it, you know, a few of those things make it harder, but that's it. Yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, if you, if we want to log into our email for work, uh, we have to download the device admin app because Future wants to be able to, if our phone gets stolen, if our phone gets uh, compromised or whatever, they can basically nuke it before any company information could be shared, regardless of whether or not we actually had any comfort, any information on the device. So it, it's a security thing that I understand. And more choices and more options is always welcome. So that way companies can find solutions that work for them rather than just turning to third-party solutions that are utter crap and cost more money. 
but I don't know. We're all we're all excited about any more of the features in here. Uh, I'm always happy to see more multilingual functionalities being added to Android because, yeah, having two languages on Android, especially two languages in any sort of app, kind of gets difficult quickly, especially with things like Assistant. So I'm I'm happy to see more of that here. The multi-language thing, I think, was probably the most interesting. I don't know how many users will take advantage of that, but it is definitely a cool feature, just being able to have separate languages for each app that you use. Well, certainly, certain apps uh, are translated and certain apps just aren't. So if it's not an English character, so if it's not an English alphabet, it just breaks. So I could see that being super useful for international markets that maybe don't get all of the apps that we do without doing something with a VPN or other means. That and uh, if you're trying to learn a language, there's no better way than to just immerse yourself in it. So you could selectively turn on certain apps if you're trying to learn Spanish or something like that. Ooh, that would be a good way to practice my French. But also it would. Whoops, I activated my Google speaker across the room. (laughs) <laughs> I got to remember to avoid that word when I'm podcasting. I didn't mute all my mics. That's on me. <laughs> but also Android... being a fun way to mess with a friend is going in and changing settings for certain apps and really messing with them. Oh, no, 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 no. Do not put that in someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave your phone around, Chris. Noted. <laughs> don't leave your phone screen, unlocked. <laughs> screen lock is important. That's right. Doesn't matter doesn't matter if you don't have anything to hide, you lock your phone. Absolutely. That's why smart lock exists. That way you don't have to put it in as often, but if you walk away, your phone locks and people can't mess with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh the other the other one that came out, the Android 13 feature that leaked out this week was the um the media magical media handoff feature. Sorry, I had to scroll to the title to remember exactly how it was labeled. Um, I mean, that's another one. I'm like, it, it's it's cool, but how many people are really going to use that? I, I don't know. Maybe, we, maybe we're getting well, to that I mean, point with these operating music, systems. <laughs> I will say that being able to do music and have like sort of like Spotify Connect where it's like, okay, I'm listening to music on my phone and I want to push it onto the speaker when I get home. Yeah. And yeah. To have me, that be seamless rather than having to pick if it's Bluetooth or Google Cast or whatever definitely. else. Just having that be instant would be yeah, nice. To, to me, you know, if, if we're going to throw away the price conversation we had earlier about YouTube music versus Spotify, that connect <laughs> feature is just so killer. Every time I use Spotify because, you know, the, the album isn't on YouTube music or something. And I go and, and mess around with the app. I'm always like, man, yeah. I love this feature. Why is this not in more stuff? Or why don't I switch? But, you know, we already discussed the price. So we know the answer to that. Yeah, well, we we know why things like that don't get stolen more often. And the answer is legalities and copyrights. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure that Spotify Connect is one of those things. If it's like, it's our secret sauce. If anybody uses it, you will get yeah, this, sued this into oblivion. Yeah, this is a Sonos thing all over again, basically. Yeah. Although even better than <laughs> Sonos, honestly. We just had this conversation too. So there we go. They all they all tie in. Yes, they do. Yeah, this is this seems like it's Google's attempt to try and find its own way to do a similar thing, and hopefully it's all, you know, proprietary, not like again, the Sonos situation. Alrighty. Well, moving on from Android 13 to an update for something much smaller. Uh Wear watches are finally gonna fix something that we have been asking for for I think literally a decade. 
we're finally going to be able to wear the watch on whatever wrist we want without it looking weird or having to flip things oddly in settings or whatever. Uh, Watches are finally going to be able to uh, rotate 180 degrees. So you can wear it on your left wrist or your right wrist and uh, you can put the buttons on the left or you can put the buttons on the right, which is I cannot believe this took so long. Seriously. I was looking it up before the the show. Yeah, I I was looking it up before the show. There's upwards of 15% of the world's population is left handed, including one of my kids and my mom's. Like, I I can't believe more people haven't been crying out for this louder. I mean, there's also a smaller percentage of the population wearing wearables has risen greatly in the last five years, but it's still not as widespread as like smartphones or anything i mean wearables are still considered a luxury device even though they are so useful for so many things uh but i'm super happy to see this even if it's a very small feature that we have been begging for for literally ever it's nice to see requests like that answered now if i have one more that i would like google to fix fix casting with youtube and youtube music please because this has been broken for five years years Oh, it's the worst. Like want to compete with Spotify and like Apple Music and all those. Those all seamlessly connect with their speakers. YouTube Music cannot even uh, YouTube Music will not even consistently and correctly cast properly. You can't shuffle. You can't repeat. Your cue will only load. Uh, if you hit a radio station, it might only load 15 songs or 30. It's bad. It needs yeah. fixing. <laughs> you know what I yeah, love forget- about this episode? Okay, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say, yeah, forget worrying about magic media pass and handoff. Like fix your your one of your core services of Chromecast for your Chris only this is, music. This has service. been Ara's <laughs> crusade for how many? Five years? Six years? Literally been like five years. Oh yeah. Well, I've been no. shouting alongside her. Like I I, I just <laughs> only only this is the only first time I've been able to say it on a microphone, but I, I'm right there with you. It's so infuriating. Yeah. I will stop talking about this. I mean, if only they, they own YouTube, right? Their shit. Yeah, I, and I, happen right. to have some of the most yeah, brilliant like engineers on the planet. That are owned by the same company and can talk to each other. No, they can't do that. This is Ugh. Google. They don't allow that. Well, they don't know which messaging service to use to talk to each other. So, <laughs> Jeremy, you uh, did it. <laughs> oh my, oh, you did it. That's it. That's the winner. Let, let, let's stop there, guys. We're done. Okay. Podcast over. Right, Peace it's been out. a great podcast. Have a good time, everybody. <laughs> No, no. Y'all aren't going anywhere yet. I'm back. But we are going to go to an ad break, and then we're going to come back and talk about something a little bit more fun and hopefully a little less us bashing everything. Because I'm sorry, we're opinionated. But we will be right back. You're successful in business because you love doing the research, whether it's the state of the market or the next right hire. But when you're low on hours and you still want to do a great job on hiring, who do you go to for help? It's time for Indeed. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't struggle on your own to find quality candidates. Indeed can help you find the right people right now. It'll guide you through every step of the hiring process, helping you find talent with the skills you need with tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. It seems like everyone needs help hiring these days in order to get the employees they need to succeed. And Indeed's virtual interviews help you evaluate candidates seamlessly with no hassles or hoops. It all gets done right in your browser, so it even works on Chromebooks, too. 
Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ACP. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back, and it is the middle of January, and most people did New Year's resolutions, and most of us are like, oh, I'm going to get out and I'm going to get active more, especially after most of us were stuck inside for multiple months of 2021. Uh, But actually trying to commit to fitness every day is a hard thing, especially because, as we said earlier, fitness is a constant journey that never ends. It's the goal line moves every single day which is not great. It's not fun. But there are so many things that can help you with your fitness, starting with all of the smartwatches and fitness trackers and everything. But it's also a matter of different companies are in different places when it comes to health and fitness, and that impacts the users so much. And Google and Fitbit in particular have kind of fallen behind everybody else when it comes to fitness tracking in their watch uh, and watches and wearables because Google has been, the Google Fitbit acquisition took a very long time. Like Google couldn't actually, the first Google device that Google actually had its real hands on in designing was the Fitbit Sense 5, right, Jeremy? Um, I believe it was the the charge drive, yeah. Yeah. So, and that was two years after they were got acquired. So it takes time to do these things. But we've also, we are now nine months after the initial Wear OS announcement we only have one Wear OS 3 watch. God, has it been that long? Yeah. Because it, well, uh, well, let's see. Yeah, May, right? That was May. Wow. So that would be eight months. Sorry. Uh, eight months. Whatever. Eight months on, COVID we have time one. hits different. Yeah, it does. Uh, we have one watch. We uh, One of the big things in the Wear OS 3 announcement was the Fitbit integration and like APIs, like all the fitness stuff was going to center around like Fitbit and those APIs were going to be branded, although usable by everything. But we haven't seen any of that. We still have no hint of Fitbit showing up on anything other than a Fitbit watch or even showing up anything uh, anywhere in the Wear OS apps and development, really. Uh, We have had very little of that. Everybody is just kind of going like, okay, is Google Fit going to be sticking around or not? Because y'all haven't given us... It's been wishy-washy. It's There's so many things that it's like, we need clear messaging. We need clear timelines. We need to know what's going on. Well, and it's so muddled too, because the hardware is not there. Um, you know, aside from the Galaxy Watch 4 series, w- we know that the mob voice and the fossils and, and whatnot of the world aren't even getting Wear OS 3 till theoretically the end of this year, later this year. Um, we know that uh, James uh, Park, the C- CEO of Fitbit, had said that the next premium Fitbit watch will be running Wear OS, uh, but they didn't give any kind of indication when that might be. So, you know, maybe we'll have some, of the, hopefully we'll have these answers when those devices come out and when Wear OS 3 rolls out to to more providers. But yeah, it's been very frustrating. And I mean, the Pixel Watch, we've also been talking and uh, talking and talking and talking about a Pixel Watch for six years now. Mm-hmm. And this year, we finally think it's going to happen. We finally hope it's going to happen. I just got to keep couching expectations there. But we also know practically nothing about that device, too. And it's it's hard to look at a company that has a completely 
opaque future as opposed to like Samsung. We just had the Galaxy Watch 4, the Galaxy Watch 4 Classic. I'm pretty sure they're going to have some kind of updated version of that either this fall or with the S23 at the beginning of 2023. Uh, And then you have uh, companies like Apple, which the Apple Watch is just solid every single year without fail. And we have nothing that consistent on Android at all. Now, I mean, it's even even if we take it out the hardware side of it, you know, there's you know, we can look at Samsung from their hardware, and it's it's great, and it's got a lot of advanced sensors and everything in it. But you know, the offerings that Google has from a software standpoint with Google Fit is it's terrible. I mean, it doesn't. Very there's so basic, many parts that yeah. are missing, and it's it's yeah, it's super basic. It misses a lot of things, and even some. Unfortunately, a lot of the good fitness apps that are out there on the Android side of things. And if they, if we're lucky enough, have compatibility with Wear OS, um, don't integrate completely with Google Fit. And if it does, it's not a good integration because Google Fit doesn't do a good job of displaying that information. And Fitbit has had a long history prior to Google acquiring or starting the acquisition process of doing a good job with you know, having a complete health platform um, in the app and having hardware that that complements it well. And since the acquisition process started, it's stalled out. And now, you know, a lot of the 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 cachet around Fitbit being a great health device, um, I, I feel like has started to to diminish a little bit. And Google's, I feel like Google's taking too long to integrate these two. Uh, platforms with its Google Fit and Fitbit, if that's even something that's going to happen. Um, but it's it's taking too long to get these the ball rolling in this field, and I think it's it's losing any any of the steam or any of the respect that Fitbit had with it because it's it's kind of stalling, and I, I think they've got to get off their tail and get something going. Yeah, I mean, really, if they they're, they're not going to catch Apple Watch, but if they ever wanted to get close, the only thing that's going to do it is a Pixel Watch with Fitbit integration or a Fitbit watch that runs Wear OS or uh, a Galaxy watch that runs Fitbit really well because, you know, this, the Samsung approach from the smartwatch angle and the hardware angle is really good, but the fit, Samsung Fitness and some of the fitness apps aren't as good. And Fitbit's really good in and of itself, but it doesn't have that smartwatch hardware partner to pair with. And so it's they all just kind of come up flat against the Apple Watch. Well, I think Samsung Health's, it's it's good. Um, it's got a lot of the stuff there. I think it's just messy and confusing. Like it's it's, you know, in my opinion, it's it's a little. Samsung Health is fine. It just needs to be visually overhauled and yeah, streamlined. And it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some simplicity. You know, uh, an air of simplicity that could be added to it. I mean, it's got all the features and everything you could want from it. But like a Samsung phone's settings menu there's so much in there and it's right, it can be right. confusing once you dive in there and it still leaps better than google fit oh yeah way better there's just something something has to change here drastically in the next year year and a half or apple will just be so far ahead that nothing on android can really compete it'll just be if you want the first class wearable experience you got to go to apple and we do not need any more reasons to be stuck with the iphone um <laughs> It's also a matter of just like the other the, the one Wear OS 3 app that the one Wear OS 3 watch that we have but even most of the Wear OS 2 watches they've only lasted a day if you're lucky. 
Like sleep tracking on an Android watch for me a year and a half, uh, year and a half, two years ago was unconscionable because none of the only watch that I had that would last more than a day was my Galaxy Watch Active, which I couldn't do terribly much with because it was uh, Tizen OS and didn't have the app compatibility that I needed. I used it as a fitness watch with notifications. But you know what does do well with battery? Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. (laughs) I'm just going to say Fitbit, Garmin, and a lot of the cheaper uh, fitness bands. And if that deeper analysis and integration of like the Fitbit app or the Apple Watch isn't that important to you, um, a lot of those solutions are perfectly fine. I, you know, I've made pretty clear that I'm not a huge smartwatch fan myself. I just don't think that there's a lot of utility for me in a smartwatch. But I do really like various fitness watches and bands. Um, <clears throat> and honestly, most of those have all the smarts I need. I can reply to messages. I can get app notifications. I can even action some smart home stuff through various Fitbits and, and Garmin's. And they all have... Slide through the screens on a Fitbit Lux for me real quick. Or well, any of the like thin fitness trackers, right? The so, touchscreen integration on Fitbit for anything lower, uh, for anything smaller than a charge has been crap. That's fair. That's a very fair point. That was one of my criticisms of the Lux as well. But I'm just saying, in terms of basic functionality, uh, a lot of a lot of them have pretty much all that most people need. I think. In that regard, the. The Garmin Lily, I don't really think of as a smartwatch. I think of it more as it's a fitness watch that happens to have some uh, that happens to have some smart functionality to it. But it's small, it's thin, it's thin. It has five days of battery life, and you can still actually read notifications on it. Which reading notifications yeah, on yeah. something smaller than the uh, on anything smaller than a charge on one of the the Lux or uh, any of the like thin Fitbit trackers, reading notifications is a bear. Like, I understand that people want a thinner device, but you need at least some real estate value in order to read words if we're not going to have things read out the notifications verbally. Well, and, and that's where I feel like a something like a, a Garmin Venue or Vivo Active or any of the Forerunner series um, can, can really be useful, especially with the ones that, are, that have button navigation um, for working out that's much easier to use and, and you can still action notifications and a lot of them have either music playback controls or actual music apps on the watches themselves with on-device storage. And uh, L- some of them have LTE for emergency services. So there's there's other ways to go that you don't have to have a traditional smartwatch for. Well, and if you want to be on Wear OS and have a smartwatch that does sleep tracking and has fitness capabilities and will last two to three days per charge, you're either going to have to be a fan of large smartwatches or have a big wrist, and you're going to yeah, have to go with the yeah. TickWatch Pro Three. Yeah, I was going to say I, I, I think I still have the TickWatch Pro Three, and I, I wish I could wear it, but it's just too freaking bulky. I look like I'm wearing a like it. Uh, one of my friends on Twitter made the joke of I want to f- wear a watch and feel like I'm not under house arrest because it's just <laughs> that big and clunky. And I'm like, yep. Don't put it on your ankle. Yeah. Yeah, I asked my wife if she wanted to try wearing my TickWatch Pro 3 one day, and she put it on and immediately put it on, put her arm down, and it was like, yeah, I can't lift my arm back up. This isn't going to work for me. <laughs> she tilted over sideways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've worn a t- TickWatch. I wore a TickWatch for two years, I think. Um, and it's a great watch. I love the hybrid display. I wish more watches would use the hybrid display because it's awesome. Um 
but yeah, it's it's just too big for it for most people. Even most men, it's too big of a watch. It's a tank. So it I don't know. It's I'm hoping to see something more in that regard, but it's also worth mentioning that, yeah, I a fitness tracker is all I would really need, but I I need notifications because I will forget to look at my phone for hours once I get in the zone with my with my laptop and my work. And I need music controls on my wrist. And I really want tap and uh, tap to pay because I don't like having to pull out my wallet every single time I buy something when I'm in the parks I mean, or Fitbit and Garmin uh, have those things. <laughs> yeah, but the apps aren't as good. And I mean, but, don't have as yeah, many. Well, that's my point. Like you say it. that, but like, what apps are you missing that you wouldn't get on a fitness watch? Google that, Keep, AccuWeather, and Radar Scope. Okay, well, th- those are u- very unique use cases. <laughs> <laughs> Google Keep isn't. Being able oh, to no. look at Google my to-do Keep list. is one hundred percent a unique use case for you, but yeah, the weather I can see. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, other Garmin and the others have tap to pay. They don't have the same like compatibility with all the banks that Apple and Google and Samsung do, because that's a good that point for agree- Fitbit. That yeah, ag- yeah, that agreement has to be made per bank. It's not the kind of thing that oh, we opened it up through this one, so we're going to open it up to all. No, this is financial security stuff it takes time and negotiation and making sure you have the infrastructure in place so it's the kind of thing that yes i i don't necessarily need all of the smarts of a smartphone but tap and pay and the ability to read notifications is just not quite there on fitness trackers and most a lot of fitness trackers still leave it out i do hope that uh whatever the next fitbit smartwatch is has google pay functionality instead of fitbit pay that would be nice it'd be a massive oversight if it doesn't yeah so it probably won't yeah <laughs> all righty well i've been talking a lot so i i wanted to ask the team just uh what fitness stuff have you been using over the last year and into the new year other than the oculus quest 2 and supernatural vr nick um because i mean there's there's tons of things out there that'll help you get up get active and vr has been a very big part of that this year but also, it's a matter of you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get something that'll help get you just like start getting you into step tracking and start getting you into like workout tracking and heart rate tracking and figuring out where your body is and where you want your body to go. You guys actually track your workouts? You're telling me this? <laughs> I do auto detect. <laughs> yeah, I don't I I haven't actually used anything consistently. I've tried several services, but I've never really been happy with how they work. And I think a lot of that goes back to what you were saying about Google Fit is kind of crappy and basic. And I've always felt like most of the options available to me don't do enough to make me want to use them. Because half the time I'll forget to start it or, you know, I'll finish the thing and I'm like, well, it doesn't really feel like that was an accurate reading. That doesn't really give me the data I want. So I don't know. For me, I actually left my name off of that document or the article (laughs) that we wrote as as a collective Did back a in I think, October because I literally had nothing nice yeah. to say I'm like you know what I'm just not going to say anything at all <laughs> my device I I've got a, a I wear my tick watch pro three ultra uh, the name that's a um, mouthful yeah. I, I wear it in my uh I've gone back to you know I, I haven't I don't run as much as I, I used to or, or like to and for that I would I honestly really love using um again it's an ecosystem thing but the on the tick watch pro 3 ultra 
it's uh, that hybrid display using their tick exercise and the the run uh, option within it utilizes that top display um, to show the metrics of your run. So I I use it for that, and then um, but I've done a lot back into just lifting dumb heavy free weights. And I use the FitBot app for that because it's got a Wear OS app that lets you change your reps and and enter the the metrics for each lift that um that it generates on your phone. And the weights that you're doing on the fly. Yeah. So I mean the the app, the companion app on the phone has your has the weights and the reps you need to do, but you can you know, when you complete a rep or a set, you can enter that as you as you go through your workout through the watch and then it syncs back to the phone. Um but you know, once again, Google Fit is failing here, or you can blame the third-party developer of Fitbod, but there's no integration with Fit uh, Google Fit right now. And so all that is kept within that single app, and so it doesn't transfer over. And so after each workout, I then go in and manually add the activity and enter the information that the Fitbod app has into Google Fit so I can you know keep that along with my steps and heart rate and sleep tracking in at least uh, one place. You know what I'm learning here? You're a lot more dedicated to this than I ever would be. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna say I, 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 I don't put my going, name anywhere oh, close Lord. to the word Fitbod. There's, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. I would have quit three days in max, absolute max. <laughs> well, I mean, the weightlifting or having to enter it all twice in the app. Entering twice. I'd rather do weightlifting. <laughs> I'm. I don't know. I'm really <laughs> funny about those kinds of things. For that type of thing, I need that crap to be automated. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to tinker with it. I think this comes from doing IT for too many years. I just want it to work. (laughs) Well, and that's the frustrating thing is that for a long time, up until a year or two ago, um, Google Fit had one of its one of its workout options, and then Google Fit was weightlifting or strength channel, what they called it. But it would it would auto detect lifts. So it knew if I was doing bench press or curls or squats or whatever. And all I had to do was tell it the weight that I did. And then it would know that I stopped a set and then it would automatically start tracking the next set. And then when I was done, uh, I would just do a new, a new lift and it would re- recognize that it, but they removed that feature from Google fit for whatever reason. Um, and for a Why? while I used, I, I that was probably some other again, lawsuit. <laughs> I, and then I used I used to use um, the years back a, a wearable called uh, an Atlas, and it, it was specifically for tracking, you know, fr- free weight type of workouts. And um, but it, it didn't integrate with Google Fit, and it was all proprietary. And it was one of those things that I couldn't get over using another device just for that specific workout. And so when I found out Google Fit did it, great. And then they removed the feature, and I was like, this is this is crap. Yeah, no, I mean, like, if it if it did everything automatically, like, I'm assuming that was, like, it recognized things when you, only with the watch, right? I mean, with the phone, it can't really tell. But if the Correct. watch could recognize all that stuff, and then you take that out, what goes into that decision? Like, mm-hmm. how do you remove a fitness functionality from any smartwatch? Boggles the mind. Uh, but I also, I find that very interesting that it at least used to have that. And I hope that they still have at least some tracking for like swimming and rowing and things where it can recognize how many reps that you do with the watch. Cause I know that for Samsung, it's I automatic uh, Samsung will automatically trigger a workout after 10 minutes of activity, which I do fairly often walking around the parks. Uh, Cause you know, it's a mile and a half from Walt Disney, uh, from the parking lot to the park in, at uh, Magic Kingdom. But um, after 10 minutes, it'll automatically, sh- uh, 
ping the uh, it'll automatically track the workout going all the way back to when it initially detected the motion. Yeah, so I don't Fitbit have to go back and too, add yeah. anything, which yeah. is wonderful. But I I don't really seek out workouts. It's like, oh, I've been moving for 10 minutes. Um, I just well see how long I can go. I can I can grab that ice cream on the next lap. Yeah, I, I pretty much rely on automatic tracking for for walking or like uh, body weight resistance type stuff. And I, I only manually track something if I'm doing a, a long run or hike or something like that with uh, Nike Run Club or All Trails or something like that, because usually that'll integrate with my other stuff. Yeah. Although one thing I keep hearing, well, we've been discussing all these different apps and all these different services. If you're going to pick health and fitness stuff, the easiest thing to do is like pick an ecosystem and stick with it. Oh, for sure. Which ecosystem? But which ecosystem is the actual like clear winner here, other than Apple? We're not talking about Apple. (laughs) But in the on the Android side of things, which ecosystem actually has it enough together that you would be like, okay, if you're just getting into fitnesses and wearables. This is the this is the company, this is the app, this is the ecosystem you want. So my two cents is um I mean either Fitbit or Garmin are really great for for that purpose. Uh Garmin tends to skew more towards the diehard people, the people that are training for half marathons and marathons and doing CrossFit and HIT and all that kind of stuff. But what's in the Garmin Connect app is really really thorough in terms of the types of data it can uh, display and collect and and all that. Um, And it does integrate with Google fit. Although when you go to Google fit, it's such a downgrade because you only see, you know, steps tracked and distance and maybe sleep, I think are the, some of the only things that carry over, but at least that stuff carries over. So if you get another garment or something like that, you can keep that history going in Google fit. Um, I've been a Fitbit, user as well. I, I use both platforms, but um their app their fitness app is great. I think it's comparable or even better than than Apple Watch in a lot of ways. Um unfortunately it doesn't currently integrate <laughs> with Google Fit. Uh but hopefully again over the next year that'll all come together. So uh Fitbit tends to skew a little bit more towards the weekend warrior uh dad bod ethic um who may be not quite as serious about fitness, but want more overall holistic health picture. So that's kind of how I would recommend uh, talking to somebody, seeing kind of which end of that spectrum they fall. Yeah. And which ecosystem would you want for like actual smartwatches? Because right now we have Samsung, we have Fossil, we have TickWatch, and then I'm just going to say other for the Garmin smartwatches and the uh, Fitbit smartwatches because they're not quite in the same class. The clear winner in terms of interest of our audience is in, in sales is is Galaxy Watch, and for good reason. Yeah, for sure. Um, although I know that you know, Mobvoi tick watches in particular are are a solid alternative, but I've not used a, a tick watch in a long time. I, I think Samsung's biggest barrier to sort of fully winning the market in that regard, you know, up until the Galaxy Watch Four, was that it didn't work on non-Samsung phones. Um, and you still have at least one. I mean, it did. Eh, not really. <laughs> I mean, it it worked in a much as in as much of a way as what Chris was saying before about having to, you know, redo all the Google fit numbers and all that. You could make it work, um, but it most people aren't gonna bother with that. The Galaxy Watch 4 
is, you know, the, the first time in a long time that they've made a watch where you can pair it to your smartphone, well, Android phone, and it works. You know, and it's still a little funny with the way the apps work, but it's not really a big deal. And I think the numbers that we've seen from sales, you know, fill that in. Like, it's sold a ton. And Wear OS now has a sizable chunk of the market because that thing did so well. Well, and I think so, with the watch, the regular Watch 4 in particular, they priced it really well because it was yeah. a really, really well-made and good-looking device uh, that ran Wear OS 3, which no, nothing else does right now. Right, yeah. Um, it, it's, it checks most of the boxes. Yeah, yeah. It works as long as you don't get the the LTE version. Don't do that. Oh gosh, yes, don't do that. Does that burn your ears? <laughs> oh wait, that's something. No, the Samsung product. No, just your wrist. It's just your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> gosh. Uh, no. It, if if we're gonna be nice to them, it shuts off before it burns you. So you know. Yes. That. True. True. Like a space yeah, heater. Yeah, yeah. There are safety protocols here, <laughs> but yeah, nice. I will feature. say that's a problem with most L- like most LTE watches battery sucks and performance can suffer because you're having to put in more software in order to try and get the LTE modem to work. And then because the battery life is shorter, you can't use the watch as long and it'll heat up during LTE usage because using all of that stuff will generate heat, which is kind of a bummer, but also makes me... I understand the people who are like, I just want to leave my phone at home and not have to carry anything. But if you're going to go out, just put the phone in like a pouch or one of those wristbands or hell, I I wear a holster. I can, I can just wear my holster when I go on a jog or fanny packs since those are coming back. But just carry the watch rather than buying an LTE watch or carry the phone instead of buying an LTE watch. You'll be much happier and you won't have to pay an extra data plan. I endorse that. Yeah. What apps have y'all been using apart from the uh, weightlifting app that Chris mentioned and uh, Nike Pro and Samsung Samsung Health and Google Fit, however much Google Fit has helped you. I mean, Strava is always super popular and it, you know, there's apps for, there are Strava apps for even Fitbits and Garmin's and I feel like maybe not Xiaomi Band, but one of the other smaller providers also has a Strava app as well. So that's a really popular one. Um, and then one I mentioned earlier that I like to use a lot, it, it's a little case specific, but all trails is a lot of fun uh, for trail running, hiking, mountain biking, that kind of thing. Ah, see, now you're speaking my language. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about putting all trails on this yeah. list. That's and one I use. You're, you're out in Nashville. You should use yeah. it all the time. <laughs> How could I not think of that? Oh, my gosh, I feel dumb. <laughs> Jeez. It's a great yes, app, all though, trails yeah. is great. And that's that's one actually... Um, that the annual fee is worth yes. because you can download maps offline and there's lots of other stuff that you get with it. And it really is just, it's an excellent app. And it also has a live tracking feature too, I believe. Like yes, Strava it does. does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's great. I, I'd highly recommend it. Thank you. I'm glad you, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> I would check it out, but I'm too much of a city girl to go hiking my version of hiking is going and doing 10 miles around I was going to say, you know all the trails around Epcot anyway, so. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really use yeah. that in Orlando anyway. It's not really the right <laughs> environment for it that. Tells you what, I will it tell tells you, you how to avoid the alligators. Look, if you want if you want a good trail, go up to Lake Apopka. All of that stuff on the north side of Lake mm-hmm. Apopka is freaking awesome. Great trails up in there. You don't need a phone for that. 
It's on yeah, Google Maps. Why anyway. would I go anywhere when I can get all of the walking I want done 10 minutes from my house at the parks? Like, yeah, well, there's a water the, station every like 50 or 100 feet. It's it's great. If if you want lack like, of people, natural, it's great for me. If you want natural Florida and all that stuff, then I'd say that. But, you know, Disney's yeah, fun. There's trails at Fort Wilderness I could walk. <laughs> it's true. But yeah, no, I'm I'm a city girl. I can I prefer my nature at a distance. <laughs> See, and I'm like, oh, a trail without people on it. I want that one. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yeah, there's a few like that here. Not too many, but a few. Oh, within driving half an hour driving distance to you? I wouldn't say half an hour, but <laughs> no? maybe an hour. Okay. See, I just can't imagine driving 45 minutes or an hour after like a really good hike or a really good walk. Like my <laughs> my legs will be like uh I don't think trembling is the right word, but I'll have the little like tingly feeling in my calves and my thighs like the whole way home. Like I can't imagine driving an hour with that. Or is that just a sign that I'm weak and need to be walking more? No, then you then you stop at Sonic for Route 44 and break up your drive. Sonic's 45 minutes away, bro. Try again. <laughs> I'd need assistance getting out of the vehicle if I did a, a good hike and then drove for an hour. I'd need help getting out of the car. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's any amount of the biggest thing with if you're wanting to start with any fitness tech is don't worry about trying to hit it every day. Just see the stats as they come and you're going to want to like move them up a little bit or try and be like, okay, I, I did this. Maybe I can do a little bit more. But just starting to get active, like just starting to get active and just go for a walk, just even like going for a walk or not even like around your go for a walk around your block or go walk down the street and get a soda and then come back. Yes, it'll offset the calories, but hey, you deserve well, it after doing and that walk. And for me, uh, the the social or competitive angle is is really really important. Some for some people, the com- competition is more important than for others. For me, it's just another way to kind of get me off my butt and get out the door. Um, so not even necessarily <laughs> trying to win it, but just motivating me to get back out there again. Oh, I completely agree. It's, I mean, it's something I completely miss from you know team sports. You know, in my past, is the the competitive side of things and. You know, another gripe against Google Fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Fitbit's really good at that. Strava's really good at that. But it's a separate app. I want it all in one place. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. I One ecosystem. I yeah. want one ecosystem I can just live in and all of my tech just funnels into. Yet then at the same time, I, you know, we'll complain about ecosystem lock-in, but... At I was going to say, that doesn't sound like, <laughs> I, that doesn't sound very much well, like be different and be together. Here's yeah. how it is. If you want to have apps for like the all trails or uh, Strava or anything, if you want to have like n- niche fitness apps that do more than the main hub, that's fine. I just want them to plug into the hub. I just want them to yeah, plug into like the main the yes. ecosystem 100%. app. 100%. That's because like none of these fitness apps talk to each other really that would be awesome if if google fit could plug into more more and more of those apps and then it would display more of the relevant information and if you don't if you don't use any of those other apps and you just use your phone then all you could see is your steps and your your distance that's fine but if you use strava and you want all that uh, in-depth information it would be great to import that as well yeah yeah and things like uh smart scales and whatnot you should not have to go and download a separate app for all these. I want like a Google Home, but for smart health stuff. Like all of my devices can just plug into the ecosystem directly. Yes, I was literally just thinking that. That's a great idea. 
Yeah, and, and especially it's funny for my smart scale because I definitely need to be <laughs> tracking that more. Mine's more like right. a smart ass scale, but yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it, you know what would be great if they had one that was like that one weather app that insults you and or the weather every day. Oh, is it carrot, carrot or something? Yeah. Yes, carrot, yeah. carrot has it. fitness apps too, actually. Oh my gosh, do they, do they really? Oh, oh yeah, my God. They, they insults oh. the meat bag that you are. They're great. Oh my gosh, oh. I'm have. I gotta go find these now. All right, thanks. <laughs> See, that would be useful, except for the fact that I need to gain weight, not lose it. <laughs> you're, you're not getting yes, sympathy sure. among most of useful. us. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm, I've I've dropped like 15 pounds in the last like three months. It's it's not good, but uh, but I need to be active and I need to stay active because the more active I am, the more I actually want to eat food, which is a problem for me. Sounds like you need some more kolaches. I need just more food in my house, <laughs> but yeah, I I need to make kolaches. I'm actually going to hopefully get to make kolaches, but that will be a what's making us happy, which we will get back to in just a minute. Uh, is there anything else y'all want to like button up this discussion of fitness with gentlemen? Not I, I. I don't think so. I, I, nope. I think we all want a, a <laughs> perfect <laughs> answer and a perfect system and we're not going to be happy till we get it. Yeah, we're not going to be happy for a while, but we're Android nerds. We're <laughs> That's never why happy. we keep talking about That's it, right. though, because maybe eventually it'll happen. Plenty of fodder for discussion. Them. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> we will complain about, you know, Apple and its ecosystem lock in from iMessage to, you know, Apple Watch and everything. It does a good job of having all the features we want in one device. Yes, because back to what you yes. were saying, you know, two minutes ago, we want a centralized thing that all of these, you know, spokes can connect into versus Apple is just like, hey, we're making we're making this block. You're not getting in the block. <laughs> well, I mean, to, yep. to be fair, not to prolong the conversation, but to be fair, like if you compare, uh, I guess Apple Health is the name of the Fit Google Fit equivalent. Yeah. Um, tons of apps plug into that through APIs and can pull in way more information than Google Fit can. So I know Google can do it. It's just a matter of, will they? Probably not. Well, and I also wonder if Google just has this split focus because they want to plug everything into Fitbit, not necessarily plug it all into Google Fit. Even though Google Fit has the API, has more of the like APIs and plugins for that. And Fitbit is a little bit more closed and a little bit more choosy about what it integrates with and what it considers proper fitness information. Well, and they're also coming up against the uh, competing interest of you know the the main driver for revenue for fitbit growing going forward is fitbit premium and it has a lot of that in-depth data behind a paywall and if they're gonna they may not want to open that up you know yeah well that's that's unfortunate because fitbit could be an absolutely kick-ass android health platform but so long as we're so long as we have all these half measures and wishy-washy like what the heck is going on it's like the it's like google's messaging thing if nobody knows what is going on nobody's going to use any of it because they don't trust it and fitbit cannot afford that because fitbit is about hardware and about selling a service and if you sell a subscription that nobody uses you're not gonna last but hopefully things will change in 2022 i hope i'm hopeful that's a resolution that uh google's executives and fitbit's executives can agree on Anywho, we will be back with what is making us happy in just one second. There are two kinds of people in the world. 
those who already know how useful a VPN can be, and those who are about to find out. That's why we're sponsored this week by Surfshark VPN. It doesn't matter if you're at home, the coffee shop, or even visiting the amusement park like me. Wherever you are and whatever you happen to be doing online, using a VPN, a virtual private network, transforms your internet experience in several ways. The first thing is that it encrypts and anonymizes your online data so that your internet service provider can't track what sites you visit. Private tabs and incognito modes don't do anything to mask browser history from your ISP. And if you're on public Wi-Fi, there's the added risk of your data being intercepted by hackers. Masking your IP address is essential to becoming private online. A VPN like Surfshark makes sure that your city, country, and download history aren't linked to your identity. Surfshark lets you use their service on an unlimited number of devices. Laptop, phone, tablet, desktop, PC at home, you name it. Your account is good to go for all of them. And another really cool feature of using a VPN is that it allows you to change your virtual location. Say you're traveling abroad, you can change your virtual location back to your home country and get access to the streaming services you know and love back home that might not be available abroad. Surfstock has over 3,200 servers in 65 countries. We want you to transform the way you enjoy the web. Go to surfshark.deals/acp and use the code ACP to get 83% off plus three extra months for free when you sign up. Check it out, surfshark.deals/acp. One last time, that is surfshark.deals/acp. Thanks to Surfshark for supporting the show. Alrighty, so we're gonna wrap this up with something that isn't us bitching about an app or a service or something we don't like. What is making us happy this week? Jeremy, you can start. Okay. Um, well, the the biggest thing that's making me happy is that my youngest is going to get their booster this weekend. So that'll be all four of us in the house, double vaxxed and boosted, which all the protection, give me, give me all that 5G in our veins. Um, yes. But the other thing that is kind of silly, it's making me happy is I finally pulled the trigger on something that was sitting in my Amazon wish list for, I don't know, a year. <laughs> it's a power washer. Um, I, I am looking forward to spending my entire weekend just power washing the heck out of everything on the outside of my house. So there's something just so completionist and therapeutic about that, that that's making me smile. You've reached peak dad level. I was gonna that's say. right. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm going to be wearing my my sandals and my socks. Yeah. Make sure you have your uh, your your belt holster for your phone, too. You can't forget that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> In the unnecessarily rugged case, too. Hey, there's no such thing as too rugged. Actually, no, that's a lie. You can, you're definitely paying too much for an over-ruggedized phone case most of the time. Yeah. Uh, which, I'm sorry, because I love a lot of heavy-duty phone cases. They build in a lot of extra functionality, functionality, and they're great for my clumsy fingers and me dropping things mm-hmm. more and more. Uh, but yeah, the cases are not what is making me happy this weekend. What is making me happy is kolaches and furniture. Yum. My parents Yay. are coming into town this weekend and they are bringing uh my furniture set from my home uh from like my bedroom furniture set from the house i grew up in um they're bringing me that fed bed uh that furniture set because i need more furniture in my master bedroom and then all the furniture in my master bedroom is going to be in the guest room so i'm going to get quote-unquote new furniture for free yay um and then we're going to have furniture in, a t- uh, furniture in the guest room and a TV in the guest room so that way my dad can watch whatever he wants on the TV because that's what he t- generally likes to do when we're home in the apartment. Uh, 
And I get to see my parents, which is yay. And hopefully my mom and I will be able to make kolaches and or uh, homemade strawberry jam with fresh picked strawberries. Ooh, yum. Because, yeah, because strawberry picking is back. Yay. Saturday, Sundays and Wednesdays here in Orlando. Yeah, that's right. Plant City time or no? Oh, no, I don't go to Plant City. Ah, I don't want to okay. have to bend over everything. No, there's a there's a hydroponics <laughs> farm over in Winter Garden. They, ha- okay. uh, they have uh, they have them up on tower. So you don't yeah. have to bend over. Oh, at all. I know That's awesome. exactly where that is. I've been there. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I love it. It's a good place. And I've I've gotten really good at picking, too. So it usually only takes me like 10 or 15 minutes. Like I brought a friend along and he's like, oh, do I do I need to bring like water or sunscreen? I'm like, no, we're we're going to be in in like 20 minutes <laughs> in and out. <laughs> this isn't going and walking amongst all the fields. <laughs> I got to enjoy some kolaches when I went to Texas over uh, the holiday break. And nice. It was, it was very nice. Did you stop in, uh, what's that town south of Dallas? Um, west? West. Yeah. It's West Texas. West Texas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, unfortunately. Despite we were, being in we North very Central much, Texas. <laughs> we were very much trying to make good time and not delineate from the highway any more than we had to from our you know, 14 plus hour trip from Kansas. So no, I, I we enjoyed our kolaches via Bucky's. Well, that, that's good too. Yeah, Bucky's is fun. Eh, Bucky's is okay. The great greatest but bathrooms homemade, in the world. Nothing beats homemade. Oh, I'm speaking a foreign nothing language right now. Kolaches. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, dude. Uh, we we <laughs> gotta get gas you down to Austin, man. Is in New Braunfels, Texas. I haven't I haven't been in Texas <laughs> since I lived there when I was four. So, so I, I just don't know. <laughs> Come on down. One of these days. <laughs> Alrighty. So, what is making you happy, Nick? Well, in uh, approximately two days, we are supposed to have lots of snow. I hope the forecast is correct. Um, like a foot plus, which is a big deal here. We don't ever get that much <laughs> snow. So, it, and it's been uh, it's been over two years since we've had anywhere near. Actually, closer to three since we actually had that much. So, I'm. Super excited! I love the snow, <laughs> as you probably all well know. <laughs> more, you're you're gonna more play in it. Bring it on! What's that? Are you gonna play out in it? Heck yeah! Every time, <laughs> love it. Um, also, so back in I don't even know when Cana came out, but Cana Bridge of Spirits on PS5 sometime last year came out. I was like super looking forward to it. Picked it up, spent like an hour with it, got stuck, put it down. <laughs> didn't pick it up since then Uh, and all of a sudden last week i was like man i really want to play this again i got back into it got you know right past where i was stuck and now i'm back to loving the game again man like i love the music in this game the visuals i'm enamored with it again so it's it's nice to maybe i'll actually finish it you know (laughs) yeah our our buddies over at jiggle fist six were very very happy with bridge of spirits um yeah, it's and I will a say the artwork is adorable, but it's definitely not a game for me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I can understand that. What what platform are you playing it on? PS Five. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, and in, in all its four K glory, because I'm a I'm a resolution hound. <laughs> I'm just happy to have 1080p TVs that work in my apartment. That's all I need. That and my Chromecast with Google TV. Chris, what is making you happy? Uh, going back off of my. Uh, my, my trip to Texas, this sound, may sound strange, but I'm very happy to have um, uh, the product that I, I wrote my review on the EcoFlow Delta Pro battery pack, um, because not only did it help me on my trip to Texas to help power um, refrigerators and things like that for the my trailer when we went camping down there, but 
I've already had to use it twice due to weather-related uh, power outages in my home, and the front that's bringing a lot of fun weather for Nick is also going to hit uh, where I'm at in Kansas, and I have a feeling that we'll be losing power during that fun. time also. So Okay, so it sounds no. like we need to distribute those to every Texan after this past February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very happy to have this because it is it saved my tail uh, already multiple times since I've had it, so I'm happy to have that with the impending weather. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely understand that. And yes, Jeremy, I, I distributed one of those to my parents in Austin. So that way, even if something like that does happen again, they at least have some power that doesn't involve going out and starting the truck up. Yeah, hit me up with your rep, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're good to have around. All righty. Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. I hope that y'all have a good weekend or week if you're catching us next week. I hope you have a great time wherever you are, wherever it is. Uh, And we will see you all later. Bye. Adios. See ya. Bye, y'all.